0: Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Well, the show far has sounded. It's time to gather up, time to get ready. This is the point where we do. Um, announcements and praise reports and prayer requests, the community part of it. If you don't want to be a part of that, and I understand if you don't, but just go to the second shofar. That'll take you right into the Bible study. But just wanted to say uh, thank you for all the prayers. I'm feeling a lot better. Things are getting better and back on track, which means um, we will start putting up new content on the Firefall Network Recently, we put something up from uh, Larry Barrett and um, lining up some testimonies. Some of the people I had lined up were unable to do them, so we've got some new people. And um, just bear with us. Please subscribe so that you know what we're doing and we post things. Hit the like button. Well, hopefully you like it and then you want to hit the like button. So this is the part praise reports prayer request. I, I always praise my salvation. I do it every day. I am so thankful to him for the cross and what he did for me and I praise him. So I thank him for that for giving me back my family and uh, calling me into the family business. I praise him that I have a, a wife of 42 years. I have uh, sons, a daughter-in-law, grandson Furry kids, many of them along the way to right now. We're looking to, to add to that family. Praise him for all the possessions, the, the house, the studio, all this equipment. Believing that sometime in the near future we're going to have a real studio. where We're going to be able to do a lot of different things, including mu- music and movies. So I guess that's a praise report with an added prayer request. I praise him for the provision that he gives us. Never take it for granted. And the protection he offers us for the dreams and the visions. If if you're not seeing Joel 2.28 coming to life, you're not paying attention. I praise him for his healing virtues and the health that he gives us. I praise him for his abiding favor, divine abiding favor, and for the continued revelation of the Holy Spirit, for making us a new creation and allowing us to live in these prophetic times, telling us what was coming and then fulfilling his word. So let's pray. Go to Psalm 122, verse 6. If you don't know it by now, it says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. So I do. I pray for Israel. I pray for Jerusalem. I missed the opportunity over these many years to travel to Jerusalem with my spiritual father and mentor, um, Pastor Shelley, But I will tour Jerusalem with him in the millennial reign, and uh, that'll be great. uh, Praise and pray for America, as bad as things are, and they're bad. I don't know if you're paying attention. Price of gas here went up over 20 cents in one day. Pray for me because I'm very upset with myself that I didn't go do it today. thought I had till tomorrow, but I should know better. But we need leadership that listens to the Lord. We need leadership that doesn't celebrate violating God's word. But I pray for America. I pray for God's grace. I pray for his forgiveness. Pray for the people all around the world being victimized by their leadership, whose eyes are being opened and they're realizing they were sold a bill of goods. We should always realize that. The only man that matters is Yeshua, Jesus. All these other people, not so much. I pray for the fatherless and the widows, the persecuted, the martyred, the poor in spirit, the bound, the oppressed, the innocents, and those who are victims of injustice. That's been my heart's cry every day since I got to Orlando at least, and that's 26 years, but maybe long before that. I pray against the slaughter of the innocents, both in and out of the womb, both human and animal. We have been such bad stewards of his creation. I I talk to him about that every day. We've been such bad stewards of his creation. For the missing and exploited children, the the victims of human sex trafficking, our brothers and sisters around the world being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith. I have the Open Doors USA app, and I have the little... uh, band to remind me to pray and every day is a new report about people being persecuted destroyed but they refuse to give up their faith in yeshua for the anti-semitism and the religious persecution um, yesterday in new york some palestinian palestinian teens um, beat up a jewish boy just because he was jewish Folks, don't don't think it's not happening. It is, and it will happen to us too because it seems like no one seems to care. So pray against that. Pray for them. Pray against the plans and the efforts of the spirit of the Antichrist. I believe he's waiting in the wings. I don't know who he is, but I will tell you what the Lord told me, that the first person that appears that seems to be the Antichrist will be a counterfeit. He will be a fake. And the second one, will be the real one. So don't get fooled. I pray for healing for all who are injured and sick right now. I know it's a struggle. I've been through it. Sometimes things happen to us. Sometimes we do things to ourselves, but his grace is still amazing. So believe and receive. I pray for divine protection and inspiration for the remnant alarm clock to awaken all who are called. If you are a part of the remnant, and I think I'm going to start teaching on that because I spoke to a brother in the Lord today and he really didn't understand what that was. If you're a part of the remnant, wake up, rise up, answer the call, praying for all the projects and plans that he's given us to be blessed and the doors to open kingdom finances for kingdom business, kingdom business, not my business, not your business, kingdom business. And, of course, I pray for our lost family members. What's the point? Each and every day, pray for your lost family members, for your friends, those that you care about that are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, even if they think that they're okay. Pray for them, and we're going to talk about that tonight. Um, Deb in Orlando, her sister-in-law, which is also my sister-in-law, she needs prayer. She's got an ongoing health issue. So please keep her in prayer. I'm offering an unspoken prayer request for my friend Jane in Los Angeles. I've known her for 22 years, one of the early participants and supporters of The Porch. Please keep her in your prayers. Junior in Oklahoma asked prayer for his Uncle Joe. He had surgery, and they removed cancer from him. He was doing fine, and all of a sudden, his stomach hurts. He can't keep anything down, and he hasn't been able to eat in a week. He gave this to me on Tuesday, uh, yesterday. He said, I went to see him today, and he doesn't look good at all. The are ER told him to see his regular doctor, but he can't see him until Monday. Boy, not going to get started on the whole ER thing and the hospital thing. So, Porch family, he says, I need prayer for him. So, Father, to every member of the Porch that is a um, committed member, to those that are listening, that kind of lurk in the background, we love you. Now, I'm speaking to you, Porch. We love you. Each and every one of us loves you. We pray for you. I pray for you. I care for you. If I know you by name, I pray for you. If I don't, I just pray for you as the Lord would lead. He knows who you are. Father, you are awesome. I've been really, really meeting with you lately. I meet with the Lord every day. We have meetings. But Father, I've really been spending time with you, and I love you so much. Oh boy, broke me there. He said, "I love you too, son." Mm-hmm. It's gonna to be tough. The to <laughs> oh, we love you, Dad. Abba, please reveal yourself to those that don't know what I'm talking about. Please. You sent Yeshua to die so that we could be reconciled and restored to you, that we could cry out, Abba, Father, Papa, God, Daddy, run into that throne room. And be with you. Thank you for Yeshua. Thank you, Lord, for what you did. Thank you for the love and the obedience that inspired you to follow through on something you knew was going to be horrible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to teach us and to walk with us and to guide us. We need him and his direction, his encouragement, so much today. For all that are hurting, for all that's hearts are broken, whose wounds are not healing, Holy Spirit, I ask that you just take that hot oil from the throne room and just, Lord, just lay it upon them. Heal them in heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. Holy Spirit, have your way tonight. Do what you want to do. Say what you want to say. I have notes, but you can do whatever you want. That's what the porch is all about. Bless and protect us, each and every one of us. Bless and protect the technology. Now, Lord, as I hit the the sound of the shofar to go into the word I pray that it would shatter the chains and open the doors and change lives, even as they hear it again, that it would be different, that its vibrational nature would reach right into them and touch them. And I pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. You know, even though we call this a Bible study, and it is, we study the Bible and I teach and I, and I give you knowledge, at least I believe it, I give you knowledge and I give you explanations. But I, I do it in such a way to inspire and encourage you. If you're just looking for straight knowledge, I, I'm probably not the guy. Oh, could I be the guy? Absolutely. Uh, Pastor Shelley taught me well. But he always, in everything, in the knowledge and the historicity, the all the information, it was always as a purpose, not just to inform you, but to inspire you. And so I am continuing that legacy. And I want to remind you that the purpose of the Great Commission was to get us to go and tell others. It was never meant to make us stagnant or immobile. It wasn't supposed to be the Greek Uh, studying, where everybody sat down and listened to somebody and just filled their head with knowledge. No, this is to fill your heart with the power of the Holy Spirit. It was meant for action. It was meant for change. So go with me to Acts chapter 8. We've been here before, but I want to address this, because with everything going on in the world right now, people need hope. They need to know why you believe what you believe. And it's going to get worse. Stop listening to the ear ticklers. If you haven't figured out by now that all these people on YouTube and all the people on the podcast and everybody that told you it was going to get better, they were wrong. It's not getting better. According to the word of the Lord and according to prophecy, it's going to get worse. But we get better. We get stronger. We rise up to the challenge. And you can say a lot of things about the porch, but the one thing you'll never say is that I left you unprepared. That I did not tell you the truth in love. You'll never be able to say that when the enemy comes in like a flood, you didn't have the knowledge and the faith to know that the Lord would rise up a standard against it and you would be able to stand. And when having done all, stand. Like I said, the Holy Spirit could have his way and he's doing it. We have got to respond to what's going on out there. We're losing our children, we're losing marriages, we're losing society. Society's on a train flying down the tracks with no brakes and literally right now in America, nobody at the wheel. But we know who sits on the throne. We know who has the final say. We know who's given us all authority and power on earth and why he gave it to us. And one of those things was to fulfill the Great Commission. Go with me to Acts chapter 8. I'm going to start with verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert, Luke says. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, Under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, which means he was trusted, and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah, the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. Let me stop there for a second. If you don't think something spiritual is going on here, that this chariot is moving and Philip runs fast enough to catch up to it, come on now. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake the chariot. So he does. Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. And the place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a lamb as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? So the eunuch asked, answered Philip, And said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man? And then Philip opened his mouth. And beginning at this scripture, preached Yeshua to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And the eunuch answered and said, I believe that Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, which in the Old Testament is Ashdod. And passing through, he preached in all the cities until he came to Caesarea. My goodness, so much going on here of the power of the Holy Spirit, of the fulfilling of the Great Commission, of the Spirit taking charge of it all. And Philip winds up in Caesarea, which was called Caesarea Maritima, Caesarea on the Sea, It was a coastal city, an artificial harbor built by Herod the Great, a very important city, both politically and militarily. And its harbor was the largest on the eastern Mediterranean coast, which means great place to evangelize. A lot of people came through there. It was the capital of Judea, and the official residences of the prefects and the procurators that were appointed by Rome were there. Punctious Pilate lived there. Antonius Felix lived there during their time in office. So Philip is a faithful preacher of the gospel, and he's an obedient personal worker. And like his master, he was willing to leave the crowds to deal with one lost soul. Matthew eighteen twelve through thirteen Matthew eighteen verses twelve. I'm a little fired up right now, so forgive me, I'm gonna make some mistakes here because I'm trying to read the Spirit's talking, I'm I'm ready to come out of my skin. <laughs> Matthew eighteen verses twelve through thirteen. Red letters, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray? does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the ninety-nine that did not go astray. He rejoices more over that sheep. Doesn't mean he doesn't love the other ones. But he rejoices that the one that was lost has been found. Now the angel could have told this Ethiopian official how to be saved, but that's not their commission. God has not given that commission to angels. He's given it to his church. And angels have never personally experienced God's grace. Therefore, they can never bear witness of what it means to be saved. Angels are messengers from God who instruct God's followers on decisions and actions that they should take to follow God's will. They're supernatural beings, heavenly beings, and they work for the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and they carry out his will. They do not serve you. Anybody who tells you that you can order an angel around, turn away from them. That's not in the Word. That doesn't line up with Scripture. Scripture. In fact, worship of angels and any false teaching about angels, Paul attacks, because the Gnostics of Asia Minor were promoting the worship of angels. And in Colossians two, verses seventeen through nineteen, actually was start with eighteen. Let no one cheat you of your reward. Take taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, not holding fast to the head who is Yeshua, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. So don't, don't fall for false teachings about angels. So if you're going to serve him... He's going to mark out a path for you, and if you're going to serve him, he's going to require implicit obedience. Remember, we talked about this, Hebrews eleven eight by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place which he would receive, out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Second Peter 1, verses 10 and 11. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those who God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Messiah. Obedience. How hard is that? If you love him, won't you do what he says? Timothy 1, verses 8 9, "...therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoners," says Paul to Timothy, "...but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Messiah Yeshua before time began." So the the title of this Bible study is, will you tell them? Will you be ready when you're called to get into the game? The hardest part about doing what I do, and I'm just going to make this personal, is waiting for the captain of the host to issue the command. I have to stay ready. I have to stay prayed up. And that's difficult. But you must always be ready to move without explanation. The angel of the Lord told Philip, "Go south." God sending Philip away from a very thriving evangelistic work to meet one man. And and let's never let's never get caught up in the pride in numbers. Oh my goodness, that is such a detriment to the church. It's individuals who are important to God. The one person we reach is an eternal soul as precious as each of the thousands preached to by supposedly famous evangelists. Now, they're famous in the world, but not in the kingdom. And I've met a lot of them, and they were nothing to me. One, One at a time. You may say, I can't do this, Richard. I can't do what you're doing right now. What am I doing? I'm speaking to you. Unless you're sitting in a room full of people, I'm speaking to you. I'm not speaking to a crowd. Yeah, there might be a bunch of people listening at once or over the next couple of days or whenever they listen. But I'm speaking to you. And if you've ever been anywhere I taught or any seminars I've done, I don't care how many people in the room, I walk around and I speak to people individually. I touch people. I stop and prophesy. Because that's what the Lord requires. So here's Gaza, a town about two and a half miles from the sea. It's the last town which a traveler will pass through as he traveled on his way to Egypt. And it's the entrance of a wilderness. And that road descended from Jerusalem to Gaza, Gaza, southwest of Jerusalem, near the Mediterranean coast. And it's the last place. It's the last stop. No more rest stops as you enter a wasteland stretching all the way to Egypt, and this was the road that travelers took to Africa. And God had a divine appointment for Philip to meet an Ethiopian eunuch right there. Don't say God won't send you someplace. He'll send you wherever He wants to send you, and you have to be, you have to be like like uh, the prophet says, so "Send me, Lord." send me. And the gospel is to the Jew first and to Gentiles. Well, that's what this eunuch is. He's not a Jew. So Philip preaches to the Samaritans, which are partly Jewish people. And then he gave the gospel individually to a God-fearing Gentile who is a proselyte. He's a convert to Judaism, but because a eunuch, he can never be a full Jew, and he's never allowed in the temple. But this right here is the scripture. This is the Holy Spirit showing us the Great Commission. This is a breakthrough. This means that this gospel is for people of all colors, all races, all cultures, and religious backgrounds. Stop thinking you can't tell someone about the Lord but you need to understand what they believe i've seen so many people put people off because they preach a canned message they pull out their cards and they follow a script never listening to the spirit never hearing them say don't say that to this person so here you have fellow preaching messiah because it's the message of messiah that wins Paul understood that. Paul was chosen to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Why? Because the Lord knew that his own children would reject it. And prophecy said that. He would be found by people that did not seek him. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined, Paul said, not to know anything among you except Jesus the Messiah and him crucified. means the core message was the cross. It says, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's what we need. We need preachers like that right now. That's what Pastor Shelley was. Oh, he could preach. He could speak. But the spirit would hit him, and his his speech was in power. Case in point, the day I got saved, October ninth, 1988, I, I don't remember what he preached. I just know that his spirit, on his words, pierced my heart. And when an altar call came, I stood up, and the Spirit got me down there, and here we are. But it's not about me. I, I, I sometimes, and I will get back to editing the videos. I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I look at it, I cringe. I cringe, stumbling over words, so excited. I, I mess up, I flip, and I do all these things. But you know what? I take heart in the fact that Paul stumbled. He had a speech impediment. From what I understand. Doesn't matter. It's not about what I say. It's about what I'm saying. It's about him. It's about the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit. So this eunuch, if we go to... We're not going to go there right now because I've got so much to cover in a short period of time. In First Kings chapter ten, we know that the Queen of Sheba visits Solomon, and the Lord refers to it in Matthew twelve forty-two and Luke eleven thirty-one. But she was not only a, a pagan; she she was caught up in false beliefs of other gods. But she goes to meet Solomon because she's heard all these great things about him, and becomes a Jew. He instructs her in the Jewish religion, and she becomes a Jew. And then Solomon has a, a child by him, a son, Menelik, who succeeded her in her kingdom. And even up to this day, it preserved the Jewish religion. But what it was during that time is many of those uh, Gentiles, many of those pagan believers had grown weary of the multiple gods and the loose morals of their nation. And they were searching for truth. They were searching for what they thought was the truth, and they found Judaism. And if they accepted Judaism, they would obey all the rules and the regulations of the law of Moses. Now, remember, that's all they had. Messiah had not come. They didn't have the next level of it. So they would become circumcised, they would be baptized, and they would be called proselytes. But Gentiles who were not proselytes could not attend the synagogues. And if they couldn't attend the synagogues, they would listen, but couldn't enter in. They were called God-fearers. And that's what this Ethiopian is. And his home was not in what we know as Ethiopia today. It was in ancient Nubia, which is located south of Egypt. But because he was a eunuch, according to Deuteronomy 23, 1, he could not become a full Jewish proselyte. So he became a God-fearer or a proselyte at the gate. But he was concerned enough about his spiritual life that he traveled over 200 miles to Jerusalem to worship God. And then when he got there, his heart was still not satisfied. Religion will never satisfy your heart. It takes a relationship with the living God to do that. And Philip doesn't rush right in and say, "Hey, let me tell you about this guy. Let's get saved, Let's get you some water." No. He says to them, "Do you understand what you're reading?" Now, the only way Philip could ask that question is because he understood. He was diligent enough. To study the word Second Peter, Second Peter, Second Timothy, Second <laughs> Timothy, two fifteen. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What is that approval? Approved means tested. You you need to study the word. I'm shocked at how many people who have a fervor and a love for the Lord that have no clue what they're talking about. None. I see them post quotes from The Secret, or they, they talk about the uh, praying to the universe. Folks, don't pray to the universe. Pray to the creator of the universe. Let's stop this new age humanistic nonsense. If you love him, then you should want to know more about him. You should want to open that word so that when you open your mouth, the two match. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the doesn't eliminate the need for human teachers or to be diligent in your studies. The Spirit isn't given to make study needless, but to make study effective. He determines who teaches, what they teach and how they teach. Man has taken control and made such a mess of it. So what does he do? He tells them about Yeshua. See, the first century Jews didn't understand. They didn't speak about the suffering Messiah. They were looking to break the yoke of Roman rule. They were looking for the lion of the tribe of Judah, a delivering king. They weren't looking for a sacrificial lamb. So Philip had to explain to him the suffering one spoken by Isaiah, because the Jews believed that the suffering one was the nation of Israel itself. It wasn't an actual person, which if they'd read the scriptures, they would have understood they were wrong. So Philip showed him the suffering one as Messiah, as Yeshua, that he had to suffer on the cross for the sins of all humanity. Now, this Ethiopian, and the reason this compelled me today to talk with you, is he represents everybody today who's religious, who read the Scriptures and seek the truth, yet they do not have a saving faith in Jesus, the Messiah. They are sincere, and they are sincerely lost. They need someone to show them away. And you... Need to tell them. I was thinking about this today as I worked on this and I prayed and I spent time with the Lord. So many people don't do this because they think evangelism is on a stage or a street corner or a pulpit somewhere. No, no, no. It's anytime, anywhere. Somebody needs to hear about the Lord. They need to hear about why you believe what you believe. But you better know what you're talking about. That's why I do this for 12 years now. All of these up there, and I pay extra as they increase in storage so that you can refer to them, you can download them, you can listen to them, you can grasp it and, and share it, even give it to people if need be. It costs you nothing. But somebody needs to show them a way, the way. So he he listens, and he hears what the man's reading, and he tells him what it means. And the Lord has set up this moment. He has prepared this man's heart to receive Philip's witness. You see, if we obey the Lord's leading, we can be sure that he will go before us and open the way for us to witness. So we know Isaiah 53 is the prophecy of the suffering servant. And it, and it starts out with the Lord's birth, and I, I'm I'm not going to read all these. I have them all listed. It starts out with the Lord's birth. It starts out with His ministry. But well, let, let me just read Isaiah fifty-three one and two: Who has believed our report? and To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root, the root of Jesse. Out of dry ground. He has no form of comeliness, which form or comeliness, which means he isn't good looking. You wouldn't turn to look at him, facially or physically. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. Hollywood made him, you know, piercing blue eyes and Hollywood looks. And no, that wasn't what he was. He was a man. He was a man's man. But he was a man. And talks about his... Ministry is going to be despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And as we hid, as it were, our faces from him, he was despised and we did not esteem him. And then it talks about his substitutionary death in Isaiah 53, 4 through 9, about he bore, I guess I am going to read it, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities, which is inbred sin. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. And all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. As the sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth, He's taken from prison from judgment, and who will declare his generation for he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people, he was stricken, and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at, they made his grave with the wicked, with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. All of this, all of this, Isaiah 53 lays it all out. And and if you follow some of the, the Messianic evangelists, the Jews on, on YouTube, and you should, and if you need to know, I'll send you links. Let me know. What they do is they go out to the marketplace, they go out to the street, and they stop people randomly, and they speak to them about Isaiah 53. It's a scripture, it's a section that they never read in the synagogues. Why? Because there's only one answer. When you ask them, who does this describe? And in one of the most powerful videos I've seen, this uh, young man speaks to an Orthodox Jewish rabbi who was confident enough to engage him. And after they get done talking about Isaiah 53, the man looks at him and says, historically, who does this describe? And this light bulb goes off in the man's, the rabbi's head, and he realizes there's only one answer, but he refuses to say it. And he clamps his mouth shut and turns and walks away. Because there is only one person historically that fits Isaiah 53, Jesus of Nazareth. And First Peter quotes this in chapter 2, starting in verse 23. And when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree of the cross, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now we have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. He didn't answer back. He was confronted by the high priest, Matthew 26, and said, Do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? But Yeshua stayed silent. And the high priest answered again and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And then finally, in one of the reports... He looks at him and says, as you say, I am. And of course, we know that he, Caiaphas tore his robe and they crucified him. And the rich, Joseph of Arimathea, asked for the body from Pilate and buried it. So he was laid in a rich man's tomb. Everything from Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots, Isaiah 53. Sending at the cross, in Luke 23, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. But see, Philip knew all this. And he painted a picture for this Ethiopian. Not only was he opening his eyes, he was opening his heart, he was opening his soul. He was opening that part of him that desires a Savior, that desires a connection to his Father in Heaven. That's what did it for me. I knew I needed a Savior. I knew I had screwed up. I knew I was broken and there was a hole in my heart that no man, no woman, no person, no drug, no vice, nothing was ever going to fill. And I wanted it filled. So Philip explains the verses and the Ethiopian gets it because the Spirit of God was opening his mind while Philip is speaking. You see, it's not enough for the lost sinner to desire salvation, he must also understand God's plan. It is the heart that understands the word that eventually bears fruit. See, if the Spirit's doing a work, there's going to be fruit. Why? We know about the fruit of the Spirit, don't we? Matthew 13:23, 23, red letters, But he who received the seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bear fruit, bears fruit and produces, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. But the word bears fruit. Don't you think you should know this word? Don't you think you should read this word? It bears fruit. If the Holy Spirit's tilling the ground, there's going to be fruit. Faith bears comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, Romans ten seventeen. That's why I do this. That's why I read all these scriptures. That's why I lay this out for you. And some of you know this, but you're hearing it again. And some people stumble on it. Maybe they've never heard it before. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But see, faith allowed this eunuch to ask the most important question of all what hinders me from being baptized." He knew he wanted to seal the deal. Having heard the message of Messiah's sacrifice for his sin, he knew the conviction of the Spirit on him. He needed to be baptized. Irenaeus, one of the early church fathers, wrote that the eunuch returned to Ethiopia and became a missionary to his own people. And I don't know if there's any historical proof of that, but I got a feeling this man was fired up. I got a feeling this man, who knew he'd been accepted, who knew he was different when he came up out of the water. When I came up out of the water in um, Lake Monroe in, in Tallahassee, where we did my baptism, Pastor Shelley and my brother-in-law, John, I came up different. I knew it. Almost fell out in the spirit, and Shelley had to catch me. He knew he needed this. He was born again. And it was a real experience, so real, that he wanted it done immediately in front of all his staff, in front of everybody that was with him. He wasn't a closet Christian. I've met closet Christians. I've met Christians that hide in the catacombs, and they don't want anybody to know for fear of being ostracized. I've I know I've mentioned this, I, in the 90s, was going out to Hollywood trying to get things produced and I was meeting people and I got invited to a big Hollywood Christian event and I showed up with a suit, suit pants, double-breasted blazer, but the shirt was a black shirt with the face of Jesus and the crown of thorns. I had worn that to a meeting at Warner Brothers that day. And and some very famous people, I won't mention their name, that were there were looking at me and go, oh, no, no, you can't wear that out here. I said, why not? He said, you'll be ostracized. You'll be blackballed. And by now a crowd had formed because we got into it. I said, hey, brother, considering what God's done for me, if I don't testify, the rocks are going to cry out. So I've gone everywhere. In Hollywood, today, wearing this shirt, and they just didn't get it, and they wandered away, and there was a woman, uh, Susan Howard, He was. she was on Dallas, she was standing there listening, and she just looked at me and smiled, and said, Richard, these are catacomb Christians, these are Christians that don't want anybody to know who they are, don't you ever change, I said, don't worry, ma'am, I won't. I'm fired up. I know what he did for me. He gave me back a family I threw away. He forgave me of laying in a bed full of crystals and uh, doing astral projection and violating his laws. He, He forgave me for all the sinful things I did, all the violence, all the vile words that came out of my mouth or from my heart. He forgave me. And then he said, hey, I want you to take everything you learn for the enemy, and I want you to use them against them and come work for me. And this week, I've been back in the gym uh, since my uh, experience at the hospital. I've been back at the gym every day, and I've been walking 30 minutes, and I've been slowly getting back into things. And for whatever reason, in the, in the gym, I big place I go to, they have a wall full of TV screens, little ones with shows and news, and a huge one in the middle with a movie every day. And for the last week, every movie that's been up there has been dark or vile and demonic or just depraved. I really want to go to the desk and say something, but the Lord wouldn't let me. So I'm walking on the treadmill for 30 minutes, and I'm praising, and I'm listening to praise and worship, but I'm crying out to the Lord, send me. Loose me to take firefall and confront this ungodliness, this depravity, this demonic message, and tell the truth, not just to your church, but to the world that Jesus, Yeshua, is alive. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He sits at the right hand of the Father in fullness and power. And we sit with him in the heavenly places, and Hasitan, and the fallen, and the demons, and all those that serve him in the kingdom of darkness pale in comparison to the power that's been given to us in his name. Let me get this documentary done. Let me show the encounters with the Canaanite god named Baal Berith, or him bringing his big brothers along and they get defeated. Or worse, go to one of the most haunted houses in America, the Sally House. And the strong man of that house fleeing, fleeing because he didn't want to be defeated, he left. we had church for two nights. we slept and praised and worshipped and slept and and I'll tell you a quick little story since I have the time, and you'll see it. We got there the first night, we were there for two nights during the solar eclipse back in July of twenty seventeen and I just we went downstairs. I knew where he was I've been told by other people this is where he congregated. I knew that he had. Um no, I won't go there, but he was there, and he had uh, trophies, and he had treasures there, which were other souls, and I just walked down there and introduced myself, told him why I was there, and told them who sent me, and then I went back upstairs, stood in the middle of the house, and I said, you have one choice. You either come up here and confront me And we go toe-to-toe, or you exit this house right now in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua, King of kings, Lord of lords. Those are the only options you have. And he fled. He fled. We know where he went. He went next door, but I didn't have any authority to be there. He fled. That's what Jesus does. And Philip gets caught up. He gets snatched away, kind of like in... 2 Corinthians 12 and 1 Thessalonians 4, the Holy Spirit catches him away, carries him off. Don't let anybody tell you there's no examples of rapture in the Bible. We have it right there. We have it with Enoch. We have it with Elijah. So it's our job to tell them. It's our job to share the gospel and do it without fear or apology, but do it in love and not condemnation. Warren Worsaby is a a writer and he does commentaries and he was a pastor. He says, late one afternoon I was completing my calls on the congregation and I felt impressed to make one more visit to see a woman who faithfully attended church but was not a professed born-again believer. She wasn't a Christian, as he said. And at first I told myself that it was foolish to visit her that late in the day, since she was probably preparing a meal for her family, but I went anyway and discovered that she had been burdened about her sins all that day. And within minutes, she opened her heart to Christ, he said, to Messiah, and was born again. Believe me, I was glad I obeyed the leading of the Spirit. Had she not opened the door, her heart would not have been open. Had he not knocked on the door, it wouldn't have happened. Had he listened to the logic of his mind, it's late in the day, don't go, it wouldn't have happened. And Philip doesn't even get to disciple this man. He gets snatched away, but you know that when that Ethiopian went back, God had taken care of it. How he did, we don't know. But he did, and he was accepted by God when according to Scripture, he should have been rejected. I'm going to go over here. I need to read this. Isaiah 56, verses 3 through 5. This is Isaiah. This is the Lord speaking. Don't let foreigners commit themselves to the Lord say, the Lord will never let me be a part of his people. And don't let the eunuchs say, and these are people that have had their male privates removed or crushed, which means they can never have children, don't let the eunuchs say I'm a dried-up tree with no children and no future, for this is what the Lord says. I will bless those eunuchs who keep my Sabbath days holy and who choose to do what pleases me and commit their lives to me. I will give them within the walls of my house a memorial and a name far greater than sons and daughters could give." For the name I give them is an everlasting one. It will never disappear. And what do we hear about Philip? Well, he preaches his way home. Just like Philip, Peter, and John, rather, in Acts 8. He preaches his way home. He goes home, but he stops in every village and stops in every place, and he tells them who the Lord is. And 20 years later, that's where he lives, in Chesteria. And he becomes an evangelist, and his daughters become an evangelist. And what you see right here is the expansion of the gospel from Acts 2 to to Acts 10. And you see how the Holy Spirit used the church to reach out to the whole world and set the plan in motion. Exactly what the Lord told us to do. Go and make disciples of all men. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Go. Get off your spiritual cushions. Go. We need to go. We need to do. My brother and I, Larry, we pray every day. Lord, turn us loose. Give us that money. Give us the RV. Give us the motorhome. Let's go. We'll do tents. We'll buy land. I don't care what it is. We want to preach the word. We want to set the captives free. We want to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We want to cast out the demons. We want to raise the dead. Pastor Shelley raised the dead two or three times, once in the upper room, once in the middle of a crowded service at Bayshore United Methodist in Tampa. I've yet to experience that part of the miracle list. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. I want to be a part of your life. I want to be a part of the setting of the captives free. And I will tell you this. I will tell them. But I have to ask you, will you tell them? Will you tell others, or will you keep it in him to yourself? As it gets darker, we need to shine brighter. Father, I just come to you right now. Again, tell you how much I love you. How much I love you, Lord. Pray for your sons and your daughters. They're hurting. They're struggling. And maybe they feel this call. Maybe they say, "I want to go do this," but I'm afraid. Help them, Holy Spirit. Encourage them. Give them the words. Give them the, the feeling. Give them the love in their hearts. Send us, Lord. Please send us to these lost and dying people, to the people that have been rejected by traditional religion and organized church and all the things you never wanted. Let us go set the captives free. Let's love them into the kingdom. Let's hug them. Let's love on them a little bit and steal them, plunder them from the enemy. Go rescue the lamb out of the lion's mouth. Let's go find that one that wandered away. and hear angels rejoice. I hope you believe this. Brothers and sisters, I hope this has stirred your heart, and I hope you'll just simply say with me, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.